I, I really try to um, guide people and, and advise people to not stay in the realm of theory, but to move into the realm of practice um, and to seek out courses that don't involve just listening to a lecture. I and mean, that, that's great, but also to find courses that really challenge you to use those skills in some kind of real environment. Um, and then I also try to push people to develop a concentration so that they don't just have kind of a generalist background, which is a great thing to have, but that they also build um, a really personalized skill set that kind of becomes their calling card. This is the Next Generation Education. We're talking to top entrepreneurs, thought leaders, international disruptors, while focusing on lifelong learning and how education can and needs to adapt in our modern world. You're listening to Start Ed Up. Here's your host, Don Wedrick. Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the Start It Up podcast. Today, we have on author of Don't Pay for Your MBA, Lori Pickard. Lori is an author, but most importantly, she has seen some of the trends come down the pike, and she's taken advantage of it. Several years ago, when she was noticing some of the most top universities in the nation offer a lot of free classes, she thought, you know what? Why not kind of hack your education? Why not get bits and pieces of it and start building towards the MBA. Now, she doesn't profess to have an accredited MBA, and this is one thing she gets into, but she's getting the skills she needs by using a lot of different techniques to build up a practical kind of MBA. And we get into this, and we also talk a lot about learning and just what the future of education looks like. Lori has done a lot of international travel. She has spent a lot of time in emerging markets, and she understands you know, sometimes it's just not what you know, it's how you can do with what you know and things like that. So I think that her advice is extremely practical, whether you're a parent contemplating whether your kid goes to college or not, or whether you're a student right now, or whether you're a 40-year-old thinking about getting an MBA. This is really, really solid advice. She has a great Facebook community. Her book is thriving. And quite frankly, I think she's one of those voices that is starting to make people consider, you know, maybe I can start acquiring skills and not necessarily have to pay for it. It's for these reasons that I thoroughly love this conversation. It definitely was a conversation. It was not a formal interview. Uh, but Lori's attitude is infectious, and I think she has a lot of insights you're going to enjoy. But before we get to the interview, one last request. Uh, several of my guests have been, you know, basically saying, hey, email me, get back. I think that we've been bringing on guests that have a lot of insight and a lot of value and they want to give back. And I've been hearing from some of our listeners, it's like, hey, I you know, emailed that guy or emailed that girl. Uh, take advantage of some of the situations uh, that, you know, when they give out the email or like, hey, you know, let me know how I can help. Man, uh, some of these guests are just so helpful and I think such an asset that um, I'm hoping to build a community that we start, you know, interacting. And, and I think that that's uh, when a lot of change can happen. And also, also, when you guys share the, the podcast, we grow. And I have gotten so many great recommendations to who uh, we can have on next. Uh, these recommendations are, are just gold. And I th sincerely, sincerely appreciate it. All right, enough gabbing for me. I know you're going to enjoy this one. Without further ado, Lori Pickard. All right, now we're joined with Lori Pickard, the author of the new Don't Pay for Your MBA. Lori, thanks for joining us. It's great to be here. Okay, so you had my heart at Don't Pay for Your MBA. I mean, obviously, you've heard some of the podcasts, and we like people that kind of hack their own education at times. So 
when did this idea get in your head of, um, you know, A, not paying for your MBA, and then two, wanting to write a book about it? Um, so this project evolved over a pretty long time. So I had this idea for a while that I wanted a business education, but there was no way that I was going to go back to school to get it. Um, you know, I kind of had some, my, my early career didn't go um, in a very linear fashion. I actually started out as a teacher. So um, I really respect the work that you're doing and can understand, you know, some of what you're doing in the classroom. Um, and then ultimately found myself in international development um, via the Peace Corps. Um, I kind of, I had a pretty circuitous path. And I thought, uh, by the time I realized that I wanted to be working on kind of the business development side of international development, it was really too late for me to go back to school to get an MBA. And, and I didn't want to drop that kind of cash. I didn't want to be outside the workforce. So for a lot of reasons, it just didn't make sense. And so I would think about, you know, maybe I'll just take like a couple of accounting classes on the side at a community college, or maybe eventually I'll find a few books and kind of like put together my version of an MBA like that. So I had this idea for several years. And then um, there was one day when a friend of mine um, came over to the house and he said, you know, I've been taking this course and it's really so good. It's this finance course with a famous professor and it's really almost like a refresher of my MBA. And I could really, you know, there's so many courses out there. I could pretty much refresh my entire MBA with all the courses that are out there. And at that moment, I was just like, whoa. And I wasn't, at that point, I wasn't totally aware of, of online courses. I, I didn't know what a MOOC was. Um, but because this friend was taking these courses, it just inspired me. And in that moment, it just felt like kind of a flash of insight that I could put together an entire MBA. Um, a few Google searches later, I realized just how many courses were out there. And this was around 2013, and MOOCs had already been around for a couple of years. You know, 2012 was, according to the New York Times, the year of the MOOC. So I, I came in a little bit late, and I really assumed that somebody had already done this project, you know, that somebody had already put together the equivalent of an MBA. And I thought that would make an excellent topic for a blog, and I just thought that somebody else had probably already done it. Um, but when I searched, nobody had. So I basically, you know, planted my flag and claimed that spot on the internet. Um, and it wasn't until a couple of years later, you know, after having finished all the coursework, having run a network of independent business students for a couple of years, that finally it felt kind of like time to, you know, I've got a lot of knowledge about this topic and it's time to put it all into book format. So what would be your pushback because I mean I, I've read some of the data on MOOC completions right mm -hmm. they're astonishingly low yeah um, how do you motivate people that um, you know it, it's it's still you know one of the things that if it's in person people feel a little bit more accountability and on the MOOC it seems to be treated like you know a bad rental car um, what what is what has been your strategies to get people enticed to stick with you know a MOOC well, a couple things. So first of all, I think that those statistics on how low the completion rates are, are pretty overblown. And my analogy that I use for it is like, if you were held accountable for every single book that you pick up when you go to the bookstore and are just browsing, you know, that's kind of what those completion rates look like to me. Because to, for people, a lot of people are just curious, you know, I, maybe I want to take a marketing class and I want to check out three of them. Well, I have to register for all three of those courses 
to, to get access to the materials. Yeah. And at that point, if I only choose one of them, well, it looks like I didn't complete two of them. Um, it, it, those, those completion rates are just, to me, artificial. Yeah, that's, that's, that's true. I mean, I, and I will have to say, I agree with you on that because um, a lot of times it, this just looks like the statistics they took are like across all MOOCs. And so mm-hmm. whether it's a cooking class or, mm-hmm. you know, learn calligraphy or, you know, taking an MBA class. So I, I yeah, I'll definitely agree with that. Yeah. So when people, I, I think a lot of it really does have to do with goal setting. So if you're very clear about why you're taking the course, um, I think that can go a long way. Um, I also think that some strategic use of your money as a loss aversion, um, technique, you know, if you've dropped 30, $40 for a course certificate, I think you're much more likely to complete it. Um, but, but to me, I think the main thing really is intentionality and goal setting. How did you complete like all your courses and who was it, you know, who did it go through or do you get people pushing back on saying, you know, where's the accreditation or, or, or what? Oh, yeah. I mean, I get people pushing back all the time. Um, you know, I don't bill myself as somebody who has an MBA. I mean, I don't write MBA on my CV. Um, I say I have the equivalent of an MBA or I have an MBA, a self-directed business education equivalent to an MBA. Um, and so, no, there no, there was no accreditation of my program and it was self-designed, self-directed. But um, the main purpose of it really hasn't been to take that that quote unquote MBA to an external audience and say, please validate me. It has been more for me to be able to say, I'm doing a job. I think I can be better at my job by adding some business skills. Um, And so it's been more kind of driven from that perspective. And if you kind of look at it that way, well, there's so much scope for people to improve on what they're doing, to start an entrepreneurial venture, do all kinds of things where where you're not just looking for somebody else to validate you. No, I, I, and I've, quite frankly, I think that if you'd spend the time both learning new skills and networking, it's going to, in my opinion, I'm sure you shared as well, outweigh the class. Absolutely. Um, you know, I, 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 my own personal students, I, I have them take time out of their week to do just that. I mean, I have this wacky class called Innovation and Open Source Learning, and the open source learning part is you know, the innovation part is like the first seven weeks of school. It's, it's our traditional class on innovation, although nothing's traditional about it. But the rest of the year, you know, what, what do you want to learn? Great. Let's find some resources and learn that way. You well, know, we, we found a long, yeah, okay. no, we found out a long time ago that like YouTube is a heck of a teacher. I mean, there, there's all sorts of great resources, both video tutorials, there's great podcasts. And I totally agree. I, I think there's so many experts out there that aren't charging you a dime that you're going to get educated usually by practitioners in their field over let's say, and I'm not bashing colleges, but you know, you might get a professor that has not really been in the business world in the last 20 years, or you can take it, you know, you can listen to a podcast of a guy that's really killing it, so to speak. Absolutely. You can't see me, but I'm just like nodding my head vigorously over here. Um, and, you know, to go back to your question about credentialing and certification, sure, there's an elite, you know, status to getting into an MBA program and to completing it. But in my opinion, it's even more impressive if you're a self-directed person who's like gone out on your own, found the resources that you need, channeled those into a project of your own design and, and really reached kind of a level of self-direction and motivation. That's a much more elite group, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. And, and normally better connected. 
Totally. I, I mean, I, I know, and again, I'm, I'm not trying to get myself in trouble, but you know, the person that's just going to class and is going to count on that university to do the heavy lifting of finding employment later versus the person that's out there hustling, going to great networking events, cold calling, emailing, mentoring, shadowing, whatever you want to call it, they're light years ahead. What, what, what you made me think about as you were telling it is like, you know, sometimes when I talk to young people or when I, when I mentor people, I get this feeling from people that they're kind of like, but the rules, the rules. And this story that you're telling is like, well, wait a minute. Are there rules that say you can't just call up the company of your dreams and say, hey, I'd really like to shadow you. They say, okay, we don't offer internships. So you say, well, that's not yes. what I'm looking for. Yep. I don't, I'm not trying to follow that rule-bound path. So yeah, for, for a certain kind of person, getting an MBA, a traditional MBA, going the traditional route, getting a traditional job, maybe that works for you. But if that's not how you play, if you want to kind of avoid the rules or play by your own rules, yeah. that's possible. And, and to me, that's one of the most wonderful things about working with people is kind of trying to expand their minds to say like, well, what if you didn't have to play by those quote unquote rules that you think are out there? Yeah, that's exactly, <laughs> that's, yeah, that's exactly the way we do in our class. And it, it's funny because it's caught the ire of some, um, you know, you're doing it wrong kind of thing. And, mm -hmm. and then, but at the same time, it's attracted a certain crowd because they're like, ah, oh, I see what you're doing. Um, matter of fact, like we spend a week in class understanding how to cold email and cold call and tweet people that you want to work with. Like it's a challenge I have. Like I'm like, who, who, who can get back to their mentor the fastest? Um, and, and it's, it's astonishing how like, if you're 16, 17, 18, and you're actually like doing something and not taking stupid selfies, and, and by the way, like not all selfies are stupid, I'm saying something, <laughs> right? but because um, somebody's like, I saw your Twitter account last night, Don. And, but, but like just dumb things that we associate with dumb behavior, if, if you're not doing that, you're standing apart. And people Absolutely. are like, wait, like what is this 17 year old kid doing? He's trying to run his own business or he's trying to do this event and they'll reach out to you um, or at least get back. I mean, Actually, the fact that you're doing that with high school students is so impressive to me. Like if I had had a, coll a, a college class like your class, or even if I'd had a graduate school class like your class, I feel like I would have, I mean, it took me so long to figure out exactly what you're talking about. And it's <laughs> so amazing for your students that they're getting that now. Oh, to, for the record, I'm jealous of them. But, but the ones that take advantage of it. And I think this is kind of going back to my MOOC point. Um, and, I, and, I'm, and I love my students, I really do. But some are afraid of but that's not the way it's always been done. You know, we have some, we have some students that just take this class and grab it by the jugular and run. Right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in the past, you know, four years, we've had like three or four patents filed from the classes. We, you know, we, we've, we've ran some businesses. We've, you know, started events. Well, heck just this year, um, two of my students are building a school in Ghana and not like handing the money over. One's going to this December, um, January, I mean, move to Ghana. Wow. Yeah. And, and, and they found this network and, you know, they're, they're reaching out, uh, you know, to really cool social entrepreneurs and things of that nature. You know, they, they had just got their, um, uh, their tax exempt status. They've been filing papers. They're an official NGO and they have the time to do this in a class and the network to do this. And how did they learn? They didn't take a class. They Googled it. They watched videos. They they relied on great mentors. Um, right. Matter of fact, they just put together their board of directors. Anyway, very proud of Luke and Luke. Um, but yeah, I, I think 
by doing these things, you're, you're right. Um, you, you could have the traditional credential and say, I'm, I, I'm important because this piece of paper says so. But when you stand next to the girl or guy that's like, yeah, it's, that's nice. I've been working with the following people, volunteering hours, doing this, doing that. I know usually who wins that battle. Mm-hmm. Um, although, have you ever heard how Ryan Holiday became Ryan Holiday? No, I haven't. Fantastic story. So he was at, uh, I believe, the University of Texas. And and boy, and I'm going to be corrected if this wrong um, by some of my listeners, but he basically, as he says it, he went there to be on the newspaper staff only to interview people he's always wanted to interview because that was his excuse. So he was a big fan of Robert Greene. He, you know, gets a hold of Robert Greene for the quote unquote newspaper. And in the interview, he just like falls at his mercy. He's like, hey, I love what you do. I've read that you need a researcher. I, I would, I want to be that researcher. And Robert Greene's like, oh, really? He's like, I'll work for free. Well, if you read 48 Laws of Power, there is no such thing as free lunch. So he's like, I'll still pay you, but I like your drive. Let's do it. From there, he, you know, learned how to write books under one of the best and then became the Ryan Holiday we know. And he even said, he says, looking back, he's like, not only would I have worked for free, I, I would have paid him. And, and you know, he, he famously says, like, you know, what, how much money would you give to hang out with your favorite celebrity for the day? And why do you do that? You'd learn from them. I mean, if you're smart, I mean, some people would just stare at, you know, your favorite celebrity, but a lot of people would like take an account of what they do, how they do it, what they did. And that's exactly kind of the thing that you're talking about with your MBA. You know, it, it's, it's observing, it's learning, um, and it's finding the best people you can, you can find. Totally. And I, what really strikes me about that story is um, I think half the battle or maybe even more, maybe 60, 75% is just knowing what you want. And that's yes. much harder than actually getting what you want, is knowing what you want. Ooh, ooh, explain that. I love that. Go. Well, so I think, you know, with, with a lot of education, I mean, it's kind of the path that young people are told to take. And it's a good thing to do if you don't really know what you want. But if you're one of those lucky people who really knows what you want out of life, that knows the kind of career path that you want to have or, or the life's work that you want to do, your life is simple. I mean, then if you know that, okay, then you know, okay, I need to get the engineering degree to go to do this, to go to do that. Or if you know, I want to start the company that looks like this, then you can take that path. Um, It's the people who don't totally know what they want to do, who in my mind should really invest a lot of energy figuring that out. Because once you do, the path to get there just becomes very simple. But this is why I love the innovation class. You, you start to discover maybe, at minimum, you discover what you don't want. Totally. I can't, I can't count on how many times I've had a student that might be a senior and they're like, Wetrick, I was going to go to college for this. I don't like this. I'm like, awesome, cross it off your list. I mean, heck, how many, show of hands out there, how many people changed their major in college? I dare say 70%. Oh yeah. I mean, what's nice about what you're giving them about what you're giving your students is a really safe environment in which to fail. And I think that's the thing that, that gets people that are like, Oh, you know, what if I invest all this time and energy and I fail? Um, and for me, that was one of the things about doing this project of trying to replicate the MBA was like, I really can't fail at this. That's right. It's safe. You know, like I'm not going to spend all this money. I'm going to learn something. If it doesn't work, like what have I lost? Like uh, some hours of my time, like a, the blog. I mean, it, it's, it's not much, right. And versus if I were to go into an MBA program, 
drop $100,000, $150,000 years of my life. And then I find out, you know what? I don't really want the job that I need to get in order yeah. to pay back these loans. That's but a big I, kind of failure. Oh, it's, it's, it's soul crushing. Mm-hmm. I've actually had this conversation with a lot of people. Like they don't want to admit the buyer's remorse, right? right. They, they get out and they're done. I'm like, I've got it. I've got this MBA. Ugh. And so they're like, well, I, you know, kind of like in sports, when you sign a really bad player and he's millions of dollars, you play him anyway, even though he stinks. Cause you're like, well, I've already invested the money. Totally. Um, so uh, yeah, I mean, when you're, when people say, well, what if I fail? They're like, awesome. Good yeah. for you. you figured it's out what you don't like. Way. If you can fail early. I mean, you know, I took, I, when I started my MBA project, I didn't expect to be as drawn to entrepreneurship classes as I was, you know, I was expecting more like, all right, I want to learn like the language of finance. Like I want to know the stuff that seems kind of more impenetrable and entrepreneurship is more kind of creative and seemed more, um, yeah. just more kind of free flowing. And I thought, you know, what I want is like the hard, you know, the quantitative stuff that I don't feel like I can get any other way. But through taking these courses, I felt like the entrepreneurship classes were the ones that were really kind of changing my mind. And I really started to look at the entire education as sort of like an entrepreneurial approach to education in the sense of like, well, what am I doing here? I'm trying to figure out where do I fit in the world of work? Yeah. What am I, what am I building towards? What courses can I take next that are going to teach me things that I don't know and that are going to help me, you know, fail at something new to show me what the next thing is. Walk me through that then on the, like, how did you select what your learning goals were and, and, and some of your sources? How did you weed through all that? Well, so when I started, there really weren't nearly as many courses as there currently are. So it was really just like, okay, how many, are there any business courses out there that at all match what you would find in a typical business classroom or in a, in a typical MBA program? And I just tried to replicate course for course. Um, but now like what I recommend in my book is to take kind of a staged approach, starting with trying to build a really solid foundation in some of the topics that are really seen in almost every MBA program. So things like finance and accounting and marketing and management um, and trying to really grasp the core ways of thinking that are part of an MBA. Um, and from there, to build a set of skills, um, I, I really try to um, guide people and, and advise people to not stay in the realm of theory, but to move into the realm of practice um, and to seek out courses that don't involve just listening to a lecture. I and mean, that, that's great, but also to find courses that really challenge you to use those skills in some kind of real environment. Um, And then I also try to push people to develop a concentration so that they don't just have kind of a generalist background, which is a great thing to have, but that they also build um, a really personalized skill set that kind of becomes their calling card. Yeah. And it also looks like you've got a a nice robust community there on the Facebook page. Mm -hmm. Um, So when they get the book, you've kind of got some follow-up and normally I have this at towards the end of the show, but you're, you're kind of alluding to some of these um, really great resources. Talk to me a little bit about your, your Facebook community. Yeah. So um, I've been building that community for quite some time. So it really actually started um, as I was going through my own MBA program. I, uh, I got, first of all, I was getting a lot of requests from people like, Hey, can you kind of guide me in this? Or do you have a, are you offering a program that I can pursue? And I really wasn't offering anything. I just had a blog. Um, and as I was reaching the end of my studies, I was like, you know, I'd really like to start a business. And at one point it kind of dawned on me. I was in a course that was 
think, okay, you know, what's your, what is your target market and what does that target market want? And I was, you know, thinking about all these different things and I was working in international development. So I was thinking about the development world and thinking about, you know, I was living in Africa and thinking about, you know, that kind of like base of the pyramid type of innovation and nothing was really speaking to me. And suddenly it dawned on me, wait, if I just go to my Google analytics, like I've got a group of people that comes back again and again to my website that's following what I say. I have a mailing list. Like this is a little group of people that I could kind of like work with and figure out what they want. So I created a survey um, and sent this survey out to everybody on my mailing list and got a ton of answers back. And what people were saying was, um, I'd really like a place to connect with other students and I'd like some guidance on how to do this project that you have done. You know, more than what you've got in the blog, I want like, I want a, a, real, a real guide to this and I want somebody to help me do it. So um, from that, I launched a product which I called the No Pay MBA Network. Um, and I charged people a monthly fee to be part of it. Um, it did not take off as a business. It, it was definitely a failed business uh, from a business sense, but from, a, the, from the standpoint of an entrepreneur, you know, learning about how to start a business, it was a phenomenal success. And it was a great you know, capstone to my MBA program. Um, and the kind of, I channeled all that when I decided to close the business and move on to other things and write the book. Um, I thought, you know, like there, there are a lot of great people who have been part of this and a lot of people who have wanted to be part of this, um, but who didn't necessarily want to pay a fee. Um, and so I just channeled all of that into this Facebook group. So it's just been growing ever since then. Yeah, I can see how people would want a little bit of handholding mm -hmm. and guidance on this. I mean, this is, again, you talked about the fact that people aren't traditionally doing it this way. And so I would assume that there's, I wouldn't say a level of it. Well, you're sure. It's called a little bit of a level of anxiety at first, correct? Totally. And um, you, you talked earlier about the fact that, you know, the, the setting of goals and, and some of these other things. What are, what are some of the really practical tips you've given people to kind of stick with this? Because it's not in that traditional, you know, you put it in front of me and I'll do it kind of, you know, mentality. Right. Uh, to me, it's all about finding the right metrics of accountability for yourself. So for me, that was blogging, like having a blog to be accountable to was very, very helpful to just say, you know what, I'm chronicling this journey. And if I don't have a course that I'm taking, I don't really have anything to say. Um, but I think another way that you could do it is also to work with, if you have an employer who's very open to this concept and who wants to work with you, you can definitely set up some accountability there by saying, hey, you know, I'm thinking of taking some courses. I think they can help me perform better at my job. And I'd like to check in with you every once in a while to update you on my progress. That can be very powerful. Um, I also think, you know, forming a study group and having, if you can find the right group of people that where everybody's yes. similarly motivated, that can yes. be very helpful. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that that's one of the interesting things in looking over your Facebook community, you know, building that community um, virtually. But yeah, the in-person experience sometimes, it, you know, you do have, in some cases, have to have a, an accountability partner, totally. so to speak. You know, I'm also a big fan of, um, my book is called Don't Pay for Your MBA, but it's not called Don't Pay for Anything. Um, I think there are some services that people can pay for that are of phenomenal value that really go beyond um, where you can get a lot more per dollar than you can get from like the big ticket, full, with all the bells and whistles MBA, which is so expensive. But what if you just, you know, carve out a thousand or $1,500 and employ a really great coach. That person can do a lot for you. Yeah. That accountability partner. I mean, that, that can go very far in my opinion. Well, and especially if you start looking at a cost ratio of what 
some of the traditional classes were, you know, you have somebody in their best interest to coach you through something that that would be quite interesting. Because mm-hmm. I know, um, in my experience, and, and again, not all colleges are the same, but, you know, some classes were you're on your own kid. And uh, yeah, if you had a, a coach, so to speak, that'd be yeah, that'd really be pretty cool. Um, now, back to some of your, your greater points there. Um, so somebody, you know, says, okay, I'm, I'm all fired up, Lori, I want to start, I want to start right away. Or, or no, like, heck, everybody wants to start like a New Year's resolution kind of thing. So somebody wants to start next semester. Uh, what is the first thing you tell them to do? Um, well, so the way that I have my book laid out is it really does kind of, it's meant to be a guide to kind of like walk you through this entire process. And I actually started, the very first chapter is about the admissions process, which of course, if you're doing a series of MOOCs and you're kind of creating your own MBA program tailored to you, like there is no admissions process. Nobody's going to say, all right, you're not allowed to come into this program. You're inventing it yourself. But I do think that that clarification of why do you want to do it? What is the endpoint that you're hoping to reach? Um, that goal setting and visioning is so important, um, as is taking the time to think through, where do I have the time in my life to spend hours per week on studying? How much money do I have available if I want to buy books or if I want to pay for certificates or if I want to attend in-person lectures or anything that might cost some money? Um, to me, you know, carving out even if you're not going to spend $100,000, carving out a space in your life that is worth that amount of money is really, really important. And, and that's kind of one of the dangers of doing something that doesn't cost very much is people think, oh, well, if it doesn't cost that much, you know, maybe it's not worth anything or maybe I don't need to invest very much in it. And that's a mistake. So and then next steps. I mean, uh, how, how much time do you think that they should set aside? I mean, is this, I mean, I know it probably varies greatly from person to person, but what kind of time commitment are they looking at? Um, to me, I would say a minimum of 10 hours per week. But with all this stuff, you know, I, I sort of feel like what I wanted to do with my project and with the book and with the whole kind of thing that I've set up is to really turn that kind of education on its head and not to say like, oh, it takes, you know, 30 hours per week to do this well, but rather to say, I have five hours per week. What can I do with that? And not to say, um, here's what an MBA costs. It costs $100,000. No, I have... $1,000. What can I do with that? So to me, I would start it from how much time do you have? What's the outcome that you want to achieve? And how can you use the resources that you have when it comes to time and money to be able to get as far along that path as you can? And year-wise, uh, two years, what are the, the average person looking at? Well, again, so for me, right. you know, I mean, that varies. Yeah. But yeah, you know, I wanted to do my, my goal was to replicate a two year full time MBA in three years of part time study. Um, and so that's kind of what I did. Uh, and I, I did spend about three years doing it. And I put in probably 20 hours per week between studying and blogging and, and ultimately managing a community. Um, but not everybody's not everybody has the goal of replicating a complete MBA. Some people, as they're going through, discover that it's a much more targeted set of skills that they want to build, and it doesn't take quite as long to do that. Okay. Um, now, one thing I want to notice on, on, on a personal level, um, how much of your kind of insights into, um, I won't say hacking your own education, but kind of um, being innovative and, and working your way around things. How much of this was influenced by your time in Rwanda? Um, I would say uh, not as much 
influenced by my time in Rwanda, in Rwanda, but certainly by my time in Nicaragua. So before I was in Rwanda, I was in Nicaragua as a Peace Corps volunteer. And I would say the ethos of being a Peace Corps volunteer totally infuses this book because when you're a Peace Corps volunteer, you're kind of like dropped into a community and you have a certain set of goals and you have no resources. Um, and so you learn to be extremely resourceful and you also observe the people around you being extremely resourceful um, you know, having very little to work with. So to me, I guess that's, that's where a lot of the um, spirit of this book comes from. Yeah. I spent some time and I never had seen people so resourceful in all my life. So that's why where I were asked. you? Uh, in Ghana, um, oh, Cape cool. Coast. Uh, yeah. I loved it. Um, well, yeah, I, I love this. I love the spirit of, of your mission and the fact that um, too many times now, People don't realize that there are other options. Although, well, I should say this: people my age, I'm 45, but I am certainly catching on to uh, you know Generation Z is starting to really make things interesting. Um, there's been a lot of things here uh, in you know magazines and whatnot talking about them rethinking college. Um, you know, the ROI has gotten pretty crazy uh, mm-hmm. on the traditional. So I, I love the fact that you're ahead of the curve. I love that you're giving advice and really helping people, empowering people. Um, so that's, that's completely cool. So, you know, I had mentioned earlier, somebody says, where do I start? So let people know where are your resources, where they can find you and, and all that good stuff. Sure. So my website is no pay MBA, all one word.com. Um, my new book is don't pay for your MBA. And that's kind of plastered all over my website. Um, the contact form at my website is a great way to reach me. And that goes directly to me. And I respond to all my email. Um, and, uh, my Facebook group, um, Facebook, I think it's slash groups slash no pay MBA, um, is another place to join a community of independent learners. So yeah, ours, our missions uh, line up so well. So Lori, uh, again, thank you so much for being on. I hope that people, uh, you know, that listen are going to reach out to you, uh, and definitely give her a follow, take a look at the Facebook page and the community, especially. I really love what you're doing there, but thank you so much for being on the podcast. Well, thank you so much. I love what you're doing and uh, keep it up. All right. Thanks, Lori. We'd love to hear your feedback. Leave your comments, questions, and suggest show topics at startedupinnovation.com. Follow us on Twitter at Let's Start Ed Up and Facebook.com slash Start Ed Up. We're back next week with a new episode. 